0: Our guest today is Matt Crossman, known as Ralph. Here's his bio. St. Louis-based freelance magazine writer, father of two teenage daughters, married 23 years, a journalist for 29 years, six in newspapers, 13 at a sports magazine called The Sporting News, the rest as a freelancer. He's been involved with F3 for five years. He started when he wrote a story about it for Men's Health. He's since written many stories about F3 Adventures, both for national magazines and F3 itself. He's the Q and chief evangelist and creator of MABA, M-A-B-A, Make America Burpee Again, a worldwide challenge in which participants attempt to do 100 burpees a day every day in January. Last year was year three, and 848 men, women, and children on five different continents completed 1,000, no, back it up, 1,942,169 Burpees. Let me say that again. One million nine hundred forty-two thousand one hundred sixty-nine burpees. The goal of Maba is to end male loneliness. It's impossible to be lonely if you're doing one hundred burpees a day outside, outside in the freezing cold with your friends. Stay tuned and listen to all that Ralph has to tell us today. It's going to be cool.
1: Welcome to the High Impact Man Podcast. High-impact men from across the nation, sharing their stories of inspiration, encouragement, and hope. Gosh, seek transformational relationships. What you're hearing from the culture is not right. Pick up the six, you know what I mean? But you never know who your six sometimes is. Stop being less. To help others become the virtuous leaders they are called to be and that our nation desperately needs. All right,
0: we're off and running with another episode of the High Impact Man podcast, literally running our, our my little butt off to get here, uh, running late at work, and uh, kind of a little bit hectic getting things going, but here we are, and we're ready to go, and, uh, you know, Dial-Up, you, we, you and I talked about before that uh, when I coached our, my girls' soccer team, sometimes we they played their best their best games when we showed up late to the field because uh, yeah. I drove them to the wrong field first. <laughs> so uh, hopefully that's the way this goes. I think it will. Um, my name is Nevin Gorky. Uh, I'm your host along with uh, Troy Klinger. He's known as dial-up to the men of F3 and I'm known as defib to the men of F3. And we got a great guest tonight and it's very uh, timely, I would say, because... Uh, we have Matt Crossman, otherwise known in F3 as Ralph. He's got a great origin story, but he's also the creator of what we call Maba Make America Burpee Again, yeah. which is the month of June. And you're going to hear all about that and your opportunity to sign up for that. And uh, and uh, he's uh, also, interestingly enough, he's a, a freelance magazine writer, and he... Uh, wrote for sports, uh, the sporting news. He wrote an article for Men's Fitness. That well, I'm not. You know, I'm not even going to spill the beans on that because he's going to tell us his origin story. But he writes essays and uh, and things for magazines for F3 and uh, for others. And uh, I, I this was so cool the way this happened because I just listening to our podcast that's airing right now, which is Power Clean. Today is December 5th? 6th. fifth, sixth. December sixth, fifth, sixth. Because tomorrow's Pearl Harbor Day. Six, you are correct. Yeah. Tomorrow's Pearl Harbor Day. Yeah, I got the cue tomorrow, so it's going to be a day that lives in infamy. It will be. So anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, I was listening to the podcast, and at the end, I totally forgot about this. Power Clean mentioned Ralph, and he said, you know, about MABA, and you got to have him on. I totally independently from that, because my brain doesn't work very well, and I forgot about that, said, hey, we got to have Ralph on. I got a hold him. We were going to do it last week, and we couldn't get together, but here we are now. So anyway, Ta-da. nice uh, series of events there. Uh, so dial up, I, you know, I, I, my poor Eagles got crushed by San Francisco (laughs) this past Sunday. So you guys dude, that was ugly. Yeah. This is going to air on Monday after the Dallas game. If anybody knows anything about the Eagles, they know that we play Dallas twice a year and this is called Dallas week. We don't call any other week by the team's name that we're playing. It's at Dallas, right? It's at Dallas. And so, uh, it's a big game. The division's on the line. And first seed in the playoffs uh, for the NFC is still on the line for the yeah, Eagles. Man. But it's Dallas week, and we hate Dallas. Yeah, it was so. a
2: bad week for Pennsylvania football altogether. Oh, the Steelers. The Steelers. Yeah. Steelers looked awful. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah. We'll blame that on Porky's. Porky's yeah. celebrated his 60th birthday, and. Went to his first ever Steelers game, and yeah. they not only uh, did they lose, but they had like they I think twice they had to stop the game because they, of lightning. Yeah, strikes. they had to clear the stadium because of lightning strikes in December, which makes no sense. But yeah, yeah, all for Porkies. Thanks,
0: Porkies. <laughs> well, you're a Steelers fan too, so anyway. Yeah. All right, enough about the silly NFL. This is more important. We're going to introduce our man F3 Ralph. But before we do, this is the time on the show where Dial Up and I play. Guess how our guest got his F three name? All right, do I get to go first? Sure, I'm, you're better. I'm, a, the I'm at
2: like seventy five percent, if my statistics are correct. Uh, seventy nine point three seven five. I don't know. Anyway, so <laughs> so you know, I don't I don't have a lot. I, 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 my mind goes to two places. First off, like. It went to Wreck-It Ralph, the movie. I don't think that has... I, I, I don't see it that being the thing. Mm-hmm. The only other thing that comes to mind with Ralph is like vomit, you know? That's you, where I'm Ralph. going. And That's so, where I'm going. So I'm thinking he, he he tossed a little bit of Merlot at his first beatdown.
0: Yeah. Uh, and they named him Ralph because of it. His name was Ralph. Ralph. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ralph, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me on. You're you're pretty close. I think I would give you a ninety three point seven percent.
0: Uh, I'll take it.
1: Answer on that. Uh, well, it, no, but no, is, he gave me
0: he gave two answers. I, I'm sticking. Well, well I was
2: going with Ralph. Ralph. Oh, okay. the Vomit. was my actual guess.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a vomit story, uh, but it wasn't at the my first beatdown. Uh, they asked me my life's most embarrassing moment. I was dumb enough to answer, and it involved. I played on the high school tennis team. And literally, while the ball was in play, I absolutely, positively uncorked. I've never vomited so much in my life. Frankly, I'm not sure anybody has ever vomited so much in my life. The Exorcist, like, was a little bit of spittle <laughs> compared to what I unleashed onto that uh, tennis court. And this so, is in the, uh, in the midst
2: of play. Did you win the point?
1: No, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't. That's a good question. I'm I'm going to say no. I I don't technically remember, <laughs> but I can't I can't believe we pop, we actually did. And so the fun, two funny things. Um, the court was literally stained for the rest of its life. Like they, they, tore down that court, maybe 10 or 15 years later, it had a great big stain on it for that entire time.
0: Wow. Uh, that's good. Vomit. Think,
1: yeah, it was pretty good. And I think I was a sophomore when that happened. Uh, and then my senior year, we were playing that team again. And one of the guys who I had puked against, uh, saw me and said, aren't you the guy who threw up on the court? And I said, yeah. And he said, are you feeling better? And it had been like three years. Uh-huh. And, yeah. uh, I, 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 this is epic vomit it, because they remember it three it, years later. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, that might've been, I can't remember for sure, but I grew up in the Detroit area, which we'll probably get to in a minute. That might've been Eminem's high school because we definitely played Eminem's high school. He was not on the tennis team. Uh, but it might have been. I, I can't remember for sure which school it was in, but it might have been
0: him. When you first said M and M's, I thought you threw up M and M's, but no, that's an F three guy.
1: <laughs> no, it was. No,
0: it was uh, wait, hold on. Not, not not wait, what? what Wasn't an F three guy? Oh, good lord! What's M and M high please.
2: school? M and M, the rapper. It's like the rapper. Eminem. Oh, not the candy. Not the candy. Oh, M and M. The guy that raps. Yeah. Okay. Oh, There's yeah. vomit on his sweater already. Mom, spaghetti. That you know. Come
0: on. No, I don't know. Uh, I you. Wow. He shouldn't be rapping. Come on.
2: I'll play him some Eminem later to <laughs> introduce him. Your girls probably warmed up to uh, Till I collapse would be my guess well, for listen, soccer.
0: Well, in the high school girls' of varsity team, when they played that music in the stadium for their warm-up, I couldn't understand anything that was being sung yeah. or played. I had no idea who it no, was. I, I'm, and I was trying to listen because I told them they couldn't have any bad words on there, and I have no idea if they yeah, were I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember your
2: girls warming up to Till, till I collapse." At least that was one of the songs on their playlist.
0: So. Sure, whatever. <laughs>
2: what happened to the sorry days? f3 nation i apologize for uh <laughs> mister i only listened to 80s and 70s rock and roll <laughs>
0: deep there's not much very good in music after 1990 i'll bring now.
2: i'll bring the Eminem playlist tomorrow for your beatdown no you won't okay <laughs>
0: i have the cue i get to play my music oh my yeah we should rena- rename my uh workouts a uh, big hair workout or something all right. Sorry, Ralph. We're 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 lost here. Um so that's how you got your name. We're gonna we're gonna take credit for that one. We're gonna say that's a victory. Definitely should. Yeah. yeah.
2: So that puts me at four
0: out of five, I think. That's eighty percent. Eighty percent. Creeping up, buddy. Well Creeping done. Up. Well done, dude. Yeah. Um so Ralph, tell us uh, how you got involved with F three. Who EH you? You know, how did it all happen?
1: Well, I'm gonna tell uh two versions. The uh the first version is gonna be the one that I tell all the time, and then the second version is gonna expand on that. All right. The uh, the short version is uh, as you mentioned in the intro. Uh, I'm a freelance magazine writer for a living, and uh, so I sold a story about uh, F3 to Men's Health, and uh, decided I would go to go to one workout, uh, participate in it, write my story, turn it in, and then go on with my life. And uh, I had so much fun at the work at the workout and and the cafeteria afterwards. that I thought, you know what? I think I better go to two workouts, you know, just in case I I missed anything. (laughs) I should go to a second workout. And after two workouts, I was pretty sure I needed to do three (laughs) just to be 100% sure I was thorough. And that was five years ago. So here I am. Uh, I just kept going. Mm -hmm. Now that's, that's the version I usually tell. There's uh, frankly much more to the story. Um, Several years before that, I wrote another F3 story, this one for Charlotte Magazine. Uh, when it was really just a Charlotte story at that time. And I, I sort of recognized uh, that I thought F3 is going to be a, a national story. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll wait uh, before I f- officially join. I didn't participate in that workout. I just watched and I got made fun of every bit that I deserved by the <laughs> men taking part. in the workout. But then I thought, well, you know what? I, I really like what those men are getting out of it. So I actually not almost nobody knows this, but I H H C'd for a workout in Charlotte and uh, half an hour after I HC'd had a very traumatic family emergency mm. that I could not possibly have gone to a workout the next day. Uh, and so I didn't. And then I just kind of didn't go, not for any real reason. I just, I just didn't until I wrote the story again. The reason I'm telling you that now is quite frankly, that exact same family emergency has struck again. Like three days ago, it started again. I don't want to tell any details because it's somebody else's story. But I do want to say that uh, the heart of that story, the the damage and the pain that the people in that story are suffering, a a lot of it is because of loneliness, Mm. because they are are broken people, sad clowns like you wouldn't believe, who don't have people like we do. They don't have the circle of trust. They don't have their friends in the gloom to lean on. And I was thinking about this today, uh, thinking about whether I would tell you this, and it occurred to me. I have so many friends in the gloom that I can talk to about this that I have to decide which ones to tell. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most powerful things about F3 for me, at least, is I have such a deep well of close friendships that I have to decide who am I going to share this really shitty, am I allowed to swear? Sorry. Uh, <sighs> well, who am I going to share this really I think it's bad, peachy. Yeah. We're good. Uh, who am I going to share this really difficult and painful thing? that I'm trying to deal with. Uh, I have so many people to talk to about, I have to decide which ones I should, I should bring into that. And I think that's, I think that's a great testimony for F3 uh, as a whole. So it is that's uh, sort of e- expanding on my normal, because I've told my, you know, my origin story a thousand times. I've, you know, talking about the, the workouts and all that. I don't usually talk about this part because it's, the, the pain and the suffering and, and the, the yeah. sin that's going on in there. It's not mine. It's somebody else's. It's somebody close to me and I have to deal with it. And it hurts me, but it's not mine. So I don't usually tell it, but I, I, I felt compelled today because the, the importance of those relationships uh, is just so important to us, especially with Maba coming up, which is make America burpee again, starting January 1st. Uh, and it's hundred burpees a day, every day in January. And the theme of that is fall down, get back up together because we all fall down and yeah. we all have to get back up. Yeah. We must not do it alone. We have to do it together.
0: That's a great message, man. Sorry that, uh, your loved ones going through that, but, uh, but that's a great message. Um, well, <clears> I, <throat> I appreciate you saying that.
1: I, I felt it was important to yeah. tell the part, which I don't normally do.
0: So. No, no. Thank you for sharing that. that that's, uh, I think it's powerful. Um, That's, uh, you know, so many guys out there could probably relate to that. And I apologize for looking at my phone. I'm going to have to pass this on the (laughs) dial-up. My wife's texting me because we're going to run out of space on our chip for our next guest. I'm trying to get her to buy a chip on the way home. (laughs) Anyway, I apologize for that. Um, Well, uh, that's, you know, it's a powerful testimony that uh, what F3 can bring. I love the fact that you say that you have so many friends in the gloom that you have to choose who you would tell. Uh, I, th- I would, I would consider myself kind of in that category. Um, you now there's some guys I'm closer with
1: than others, obviously, but uh,
0: that's, that's great, man.
1: Well, yeah, um, b- I, you know, I, I've got a, I've got a shield block. Uh, we meet uh, every Friday and we make uh, uh corned beef hash. We, we do a workout and then we make corned beef hash and fried eggs and coffee at at this park that's our sort of our founding AO in this region. Uh And I mean, I would bet we'll probably talk about this for almost the whole thing. You know, it's been an ongoing thing. It's not like there's been seven years of good. And then, you know, now it's bad. It's been a a frequent thing. It's just, it's it's as bad now as it's ever been. So Uh yeah, I've I've got them to talk to about it. And I've got at least five other guys. I was trying to count how many uh, I would feel comfortable talking to about this. And it's, it's probably 10 and that's, that's really uncommon for men in modern America, and it's. Yeah. I had friends before yeah. F three. I was not a sad clown, um, but it's it, my relationships are, are substantially different now.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. As and for any guys out there listening,
0: that I mean, you know, if you are lonely, if you're if you're if you fit the category of what we call a sad clown, listen to what Ralph is saying, man. It's real. Okay. You know, if if it's not F three, then find something else. But but F three really brings it all together with the workouts. Drawing guys closer together, the more fit you get physically, the more uh, mentally and emotionally fit you get.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a, a white Christian man writer cliche and quote C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he he says um, when he and Tolkien were, were becoming friends, uh, one of the things that solidified their friendship was one of them would say to the other just just whatever they were talking about. And then the one will reply, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. Right. <laughs> and that is so true in F3 and in the gloom and in COTs that there's somebody sitting there thinking, I'm not saying this. They got something on their heart. I'm not saying this. Right. I'm not saying this. I'm not saying this. And then somebody else says it and you're and you're like, oh, shit, I should have said it. But now I'm going to walk up to that guy and hug his neck and say, you know what? Me too. Yeah. So I think that's a, a really powerful component of F3 too. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, we share pain in the gloom, physical pain we share that like you know pain of working out and everything and it's the same thing with uh, the burdens that we carry the emotional pain whatever when we share that it's so much easier and uh, you know it's 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 when you find out you're not the only one going through it and other people have dealt with it it yeah. somehow helps yeah even if
2: you can't you can't do anything to fix it right right just being able to share it and offer you know knowing other guys get it understand you and are supporting you yeah. You know, whether it be through prayer or just words of encouragement, it, it helps make it a lot
0: better. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, let's, uh, before we get into uh, what you're doing now and all that stuff, and before we talk about Mabo, let's uh, give you a chance to tell us uh, what life was like for little Ralph when you were growing up, man. Where, where, <laughs> where was that? What was that like?
1: Uh, I grew up in the uh, suburbs of Detroit, a little town called Clausen. Um, and I've got uh, three brothers. I'm the second of four. Uh, I would say a mostly, you know, happy and, you know, uneventful childhood. I don't have any kind of, my parents uh, loved each other Mm -hmm. uh, and they loved us. And so uh, we lived in the same house from when I was zero and my parents didn't move out until I was 35. I was always extremely grateful for that. Uh, You know, I'm not close friends with my high school friends anymore, but I still, you know, have occasional, you know, conversations or see guys I've known since, I'm 52 guys I've known since I was five Yeah, Yeah. Uh, and I'm really grateful for that too. That uh, you know, the proximity isn't there and the closeness isn't there. I don't want to overstate it, but the fact that I've, I've still got relationships with guys that I've known like for the entirety of my life is really important. Yeah. Uh, I was, you know, super active, uh, especially younger played, you know, every, you know, was outside all the time, come home when the streetlights come on type stuff. Yeah. Uh, played sports until I frankly wasn't good enough to play anymore. So you yeah, threw up on the tennis needs. course? <laughs> <laughs> no, you played. You played. So but, you know. Basically, I, I played tennis because I I, I I wasn't good enough to play uh, very often in baseball. But if you played tennis, you could play in every game. And I was <laughs> terrible, but uh, I wanted it. Riding the bench just no longer appealed to me. Right. Uh, I went to college at Central Michigan University. Mm. Uh, I made double majored in journalism and poli sci and my career goal. Then uh, I wanted to cover the white house and presidential campaigns. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Life happened. I I actually was pursuing that for about five years at little newspapers, including one not too terribly far from you guys in the Lehigh Valley. Lehigh Valley, a newspaper called the Eastern express times. Mm -hmm. Uh, I covered city hall there. So I covered city hall and local politics for about five years. I got married, moved to St. Louis, uh, didn't want to work in sports, didn't want to be a copy editor, so I took a job as a sports copy editor. And that turned out to be the best thing uh, career-wise that ever happened to me by far and away. I yeah. was a magazine called The Sporting News, and I didn't want to be a copy editor. So I would raise my hand and say, hey, can I write this? Hey, can I write that? And eventually discovered if you wanted to write about baseball, the line was from here to the Susquehanna Valley. And right. if you wanted to write about football, the line was from here to the Susquehanna Valley and back. Right. If you wanted to write about NASCAR, there was no line.
0: And I was
1: oh. uh, My ears I, uh, just perked up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, then and now, uh, I describe myself as content agnostic. I don't really care uh, what I'm writing about as long as it's a good story. It could be sports. It could be politics. It could be mm. chefs, artists, painters, musicians, whatever. So was I a huge fan of cars driving around in circles? No, not really. Uh, but I did come. I did become a big fan of it. And again, I I, I care about the story that I'm telling rather than. Uh, like what the actual uh, event is. Yeah. So I spent uh, 13 years doing that. And then uh, people ask me all the time why I became a freelance writer. I did not become a freelance writer. I got kicked. Uh, So I got laid off. And then I've been a freelance writer for about the last 10 years. So I've been a journalist. for In May, it will be 30 years uh, out in the real world as a journalist. Wow.
2: So so my ears perked up when you said NASCAR. As you were talking about the sports, I'm like, I bet she's going to go to NASCAR because guys yeah. like folks weren't writing about that. Right. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Like, what, are you, yeah. Are, like, you, what, are you a NASCAR I'm,
2: fan? I'm a NASCAR fan. Yeah. So you grabbed my attention there. And, and I knew the sporting news used to like cover NASCAR uh, yeah. more so than a lot of other uh, news organizations. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious. Like, what do you, what do you think the best pieces that you ever wrote?
1: Uh, NASCAR? NASCAR sport? Yeah. I would say there are, there are probably two. Um, One is uh, the I ended up. uh, I am the only writer in the 125-year history of the Sporting News to appear on the cover. And uh, the story was: Do you remember the movie Supersize Me, where the guy uh, ate nothing but McDonald's for a month? Yep. Uh, I totally stole that idea, and we called it NASCARize Me. And so for an entire race weekend, uh, everything I wore. Ate, touched, drove, slept in, and literally everything except for my wedding ring was in, was like a NASCAR sponsored product. Yeah. So uh, Levi's was the official jean, d- Ford was the official pickup truck, Domino's was the official pizza. So I, you know, drove, ate, wore that. Uh, before you ask, Fruit of the Loom was a sponsor on the car, <laughs> so I wore Fruit of the Loom underwear. And so for, so, so literally you could have lived, the, the thesis was, can you live your entire life using nothing but NASCAR sponsored products? Yeah. And the answer is yes, you can. Yeah, uh, That was back then. That was in 2005. Okay. And that's what I was going to ask. You
2: mid nineties, early two thousands, right? In the yeah, boom. Yeah.
1: And I know your, your, your readers or your listeners can't see this, but if you look behind me, there's a, a magazine cover and it said, NASCAR eyes me. And I took what, we took one of those plastic die cars uh, because the cover of supersize me was the guy with fries coming out of his mouth. Yep. And we took one of those plastic die cast cars and discovered that that fit so perfectly in my mouth that even <laughs> though that car was in my mouth, when I look at the picture, I think it's photoshopped because it fits so perfectly. So that's the cover. Like my eyes are bugged out and there's a uh, die cast car coming out of my mouth and it says NASCAR eyes me. Sweet. Perfect. So that, that would be either one or one or two. And then the second one, uh, this was the very end of Jeff Gordon's career, like the last month I had, to, you know, he he had hosted Saturday Night Live yeah, uh, and it was sort of a famous moment in NASCAR history, like this pop culture moment in NASCAR history that Jeff Gordon is hosting Saturday Night Live. And I talked him into rewatching the episode with me uh, in his, basically in his basement. So he could tell me about what was happening uh, as you know, through each skit,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then sort of told the story of his career through that uh, interaction, and uh, those are those are probably my my two favorites. Cool, very cool. So how you know
0: when you become a freelance journalist, does that mean you get to just go seek stories? Like you you start investigating things and seek stories, and then and then go and you know find somebody that that is willing to, to publish it, or you know how do you, how does that work?
1: That's actually. Uh, you summed it up pretty good. Okay. Uh, layer in a butt ton of stress that <laughs> you're going to come up with this great idea right. and nobody's going to say yes to it. Uh, layer in stress that sometimes you will have, your ideas will suck. So they say <laughs> no to them for that reason. But yeah, well, the, the thing that I love the most about it is uh, I have gotten to do some really cool stuff. Yeah. I, mean, it, I, don't, I don't mean to sound immodest, but you know, some I, I got paid to go to read about Grow Rock. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got paid to, 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 I basically got paid to join F3 by a national, <laughs> by a national <laughs> There magazine. you go. That's, that makes the I think pay, about it.
2: paid employees, there's two of them now, right? There's, well, he's not uh, paid by F3 though. I I know. Yeah, he's paid by the <laughs> magazine. Yeah, I, got, I got
1: paid by somebody else to, yeah. to join F3. And I've traveled uh, to, you know, all over the country and a little bit international, though not very much. And the, the cool thing is if if I'm, if I'm writing about a person that by definition, they're going to be interesting. Otherwise I, I wouldn't be yeah. writing about them. Yeah. And, and now very often I, I went through a stretch where I was writing so many stories about trauma and people who had had horrible things happen to them in their lives that I had to stop doing that because it was, I, I just, I, I, I burned out. I, I could not tell one more heartbreaking story. It was just ripping me in half. Yeah. Um, but that's also a, uh, it's a valuable way to spend your life to talk to people, and in, and they invite you to ask them questions, and they trust you enough to tell you their stories. That's a that's a uh, it's a that's a rewarding thing to have people spill their guts to you, yeah, and then talk to them about that and learn and grow in the process. Right. So yeah. I've, I'm I'm pr- I'm pretty thankful that. Uh, I've been doing it 30 years and I don't really want to do anything else. That's cool. I man. like doing it. You know, we talk, we talk in F3 about D2X and I feel like there are days where I'm it. really crushing that. Some days it, it sucks balls. I'm not going to lie. It's sure. just horribly stressful. And I, I can make a, a, a lot of money in one month and then nothing the next, I don't have health insurance. Um, I have to buy it on the market mm-hmm. and the markets. I, I think I've had five clients close this year, uh, that I expected to write for a lot. <laughs> That's, that's a hard way to live, but the, re- the rewards are worth it. Wow. You know, you,
0: you're, uh, what you do kind of, I don't know, I guess, well, it's obvious why it reminds me, but it reminds me of, um, I don't remember the author's name, but he's the guy that wrote born to run the book born to run. And he wrote for, I think it was men's health mm-hmm. and somebody else, but he would immerse himself just like you talked about being, you know, immersed yeah. in an NASCAR. He would immerse himself into what he was writing about and it would be, uh, You know, like if he's writing about mountain climbing, um, he would uh, go do mountain climbing and learn it and and write about it. But I don't know if you're familiar with that book, Born to Run, but it was very popular mm, 10, 12, I'd say 10 uh, years ago, 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. And and he got into it because he he was, he was a runner because he had written about running before he started running. He became a runner and he hurt his knee, I think he had an injury and he was told by the orthopedic surgeon that he should never run again. So they went off investigating all this, you know, as like an investigative journalist, and he found this tribe in Mexico and, you know, their their mythical ability to run distances and stuff like that. And he ended up writing a book about it. So, uh, the man, maybe you should write a book. Have you written a book yet? I I haven't,
1: uh, mostly because uh, uh, the pitching process for writing a book, uh, like when I pitch a magazine article, depending on who I'm pitching it to, it takes anywhere from you know five minutes if I know the editor well to a couple of hours if I don't a, a book proposal takes months and you don't know if they're gonna say yes and if they do say yes you don't know if you're gonna get paid that right. that market just it doesn't work for me and also I, I have to say uh, I'm, I think I'm much better at a magazine level of commitment than I am a book level of commitment I, I would get I, I would think I would get bored if I try to write a book uh, but I do, you know, you, you mentioned the guy immersing himself. I, that, that's sort of my hallmark is I, I come up with some adventure that I want, want to do and then I, I find someone who will let me write about it. Uh, so in, in two weeks, I'm going hang gliding because that's on my bucket list and I haven't done it. So I'm going, oh, wow, uh, hang gliding, but I've done like rock climbing, ice climbing, surfing, dog mushing, uh, you know, you long distance bike riding, adventure races. Uh, grow rocks. Uh, pretty much, if it's outside, I'm I'm gonna try it. Yeah, that's cool, huh? Yeah. Well, what a way to make a living. That's really cool.
0: I'm kind of jealous. Yeah, our lives are yeah. pretty boring with our work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wrote a book once. Nobody read it. Even my best buddy Dialup didn't read it. I, I skimmed it. He skimmed it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I gave it to me. He says Is there are cliff notes. <laughs> um, yeah. If and it, if I'm being honest, man, that's an awful lot of work. Yeah. I just. I, I the, the right project hasn't come along yet. So I yeah. th- thought a lot about it, but I've just never, never been able to pull the trigger because I, I think I would be bored. All right.
0: That's cool. Yeah. You know, the sporting news, my dad, I think it was, a, was it a weekly magazine? Yep. Every day, every week it would be delivered to our house, man. Sporting news magazine. It was like, it was made out of paper. Mm-hmm. It wasn't mm-hmm. a, a, like magazine material. Yep. It was paper. And I used to read it all the time. I love reading the sporting news and, uh, I guess everything's online now. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We
1: were, uh, so it was a newspaper for, I don't know, hundred years, maybe, Mm -hmm. uh, 80 years. And it was super famous for box scores. Like if you, if you lived in Kansas city, but you grew up in New York and you wanted to read about the Yankees, the sporting news was literally the only place you could do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: The internet blew that up. So the internet, uh, took away its, its, uh, sort of identity. It, It still exists as a website. The magazine closed, uh, At the same time that I got laid off, so it it still exists as a company. Still got a lot of friends there, and uh, am just so grateful for the opportunities that that they gave me, and so grateful for the work that they let me do. Prepared me for the rest of my career. And you know, sometimes people say, "Oh, you know, getting laid off was the best thing that ever happened to your career." I say, "No, BS, man. Working at the Sporting News was the best thing that happened in my career because it made getting it made the freelance world possible. I wouldn't. There's no way in the world I could be doing this without that experience." Yeah, I'd forgotten about that it was,
0: it was the only way to get that information right. back then. Yeah. yeah.
2: As, as a freelance writer, like when you, so when you pitch an idea mm-hmm. of a story that you want to write, does someone then say, yeah, let's do it. And, and are you like, are you, are you guaranteed money at that point because you're going to write the article or do you, or do they just say, go ahead and write it, you write it. And then they kind of determine it's worth after you've, after you've written it. Like how's that? No, work? the first one. First no, one. So
1: I, I, I will pitch them a story, uh, and then we will negotiate what the fee will be. Okay. And then, I, and then I go do it, and uh, then you, know, you usually get paid. There's a couple of different ways you can get paid. The most common one is upon publication. That means when the magazine comes out, yeah. they'll pay you. Sometimes it's they they will call uh they call it on acceptance, which means uh, you turn it in and you didn't throw up in your hat and hand it to them. So you know they they get it and they know they're going to publish it. So they yeah. say okay, mm-hmm. go ahead and invoice me. But it's almost always on publication. Okay. So how many different uh,
0: media outlets, magazines or whatever do you usually do, do you uh, you know, publish in?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it, it changes year to year because, uh, you know, I, I've lost count in the 10 years that I've been doing this, how many that I've written for that have uh, either closed or changed so dramatically that they might as well have closed or the editor that I worked with uh, left. So it, it changes year to year. I'm trying to make that a smaller number and write for each one more frequently. So I've got five or six now that I'm trying to really uh, focus on. But again, the danger of that is if one of those closes there goes 20% of my income. Yeah. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a big challenge. And you know, sometimes you, you outgrow a place or you're like, man, I've already, I've written the same story for them 10 times in a row. So I want to go do something else. Yeah. So Well, do you, do you ever play one
0: off the other? let you know, I'm okay pitch this idea to a number of them. I'll go to the highest bidder.
1: A, a little bit. Uh, it doesn't, That doesn't work. Well, well, it would, if I had the ass kickingest idea I ever had, yeah. uh, I would do that. But usually what I try to do is to frame my ideas towards that publication mm-hmm. as opposed to just an idea. And I'll give you an example of that. Uh, right before COVID hit, uh, I was going to get to my 50th state. I was going to Hawaii and I thought, Oh, that's a great travel idea. I'll write about having gone, gotten all 50 states. But then I thought, well, you know what? No travel magazine gives a crap about that. They're travel magazines. That's not going to impress them. Mm -hmm. But when I framed it as a goal setting idea, you know, that I set a goal of getting to 50 states and then I did, well, now that's a business story. So I could write actually a travel story uh, that looks like a business story. And I sold it to success magazine. So I try to frame my ideas that way, yeah. that, uh, you know, tailor it towards the publication. Like if I were to write about, like I, F3 I wrote about for a fitness magazine because it's a fitness story, but there's also, uh, you know, you could write about that for AARP because we're pretty prominent among the respect crowd, myself included. You yep. could write about, yeah. you could write about, you know, what you learn uh, through F3 for a, a business magazine. So uh-huh. that's how I, I try to think like that. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's
0: brilliant, man. Yeah, for psychology today, how to beat the depression and anxiety in your yeah. life. Yep. Of course, that would probably need to be a study. But anyway, so of all the stories you've covered over all these years, is there any that are super cool, super interesting, wild, anything that really sticks out to you? I mean, other than F3, because we're cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've got uh, two, two that I'll tell you. Uh, the first is uh, I sold a story uh, to go write about NASCAR in Belgium. And people say there's NASCAR in Belgium. And I say, that's what I was going to write about. Uh, and because (laughs) I was already going to be in Belgium, I sold a whole bunch of other stories, uh, to keep myself in Europe for as long as I could, because, (laughs) uh, in this line of work, at least if somebody's paying for your travel, they don't typically care when you go, uh, as long as the, the flight cost is basically the same. What do they care if you're there for three days or two weeks? Right. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Although my, my name is Matt Crossman, which is as you know, Anglo as it could possibly be, my grandmother's name was uh, Enrica Rigotti, which mm-hmm. is uh, about as Italian as yeah. you can get. And so it's a very long story, but I always wanted to go visit the home country. So I booked a couple of nights in the town that I knew my great-grandfather was from and uh, took a car ride to where I thought my great-grandmother was from, but I wasn't really sure. And I uh, pull into this little town. I mean, the population is like 60, like six zero. Mm-hmm. And there's one road with houses on it. There's a guy unloading firewood. And I said, excuse me, do you speak English? And he's the only guy in Italy that I ran into who spoke English. He said, yeah. he walks over. And I said, I'm uh, doing research on my family. I think my grandmother was uh, from here. Her last name was Stofella. And his eyes get like saucers. And he says, my mom was a Stofella. And so long story short, I discovered that this guy that I literally just yelled to on the street, if uh-huh. you go back up our family tree, six great grandfathers, uh, were related. <laughs> cool. Uh, so so I, I wrote about that. Yeah. And then the, it, the other one was, uh, I, I used to be super, super passionate, uh, about, uh, golf. And uh, a couple of years ago, this was right before I got involved with f three. I sold the story. I talked to Golf Magazine into paying me to play the same par three course uh, right near my house uh, over and over and over again uh, to see if I could get my first uh, hole in one. <laughs> and so we set June we set June first as the starting date and uh, August thirty first as the end date. And I could play as much as I wanted uh, in between to see if I could get my first hole in one. So that was pretty cool. And Did you get it? And don't leave us hanging. Shot. Shot 1,589. All right. Now you got one, though.
0: I think it would be easier to get it if you just played the same hole over and over and over. I did.
1: Yeah. uh, The course has uh, 18 holes, and 15 of them were par threes. And so I basically hit like 10 shots and then go pick up the balls, maybe put one if I felt like it, pick them up and go to the next hole. Right. And uh, a couple of interesting things there. Uh, I, I bribed my daughter to go with me uh, with a, with a, a donut. And she had been, I've been having her record my shots just in case, you know, with my phone, just in case I, uh, I got it. But I was also telling her, you know, don't record in between because you're going to kill my battery. And so no. I hit the ball <laughs> and I said, Oh, that's got a chance. And she says, Oh, that's close. And then she stopped, rec- oh, stopped recording no. because I told her not to record too much, uh, but then she turned it right back on, right? Uh, and uh, so she said, I mean, I had had a hole in one for like 10 seconds. And she says, should we call mommy? <laughs> and I said, well, hold on. Let's uh, let's go up to the hole. Just just a minute. I saw it go in. There was no doubt. But yeah. I wanted the ride in the cart to yeah. go to the hole. And so she's recording the whole way. And she she was, she's going to be 14 in a couple of days. So she was like eight. And she's so excited, and she goes running across the green. It's in. Now can we call mommy? And it's, <laughs> that, it's like it's like a forty second video. That was the best forty seconds of that year. Just awesome. Now I tell those two stories, uh, and they're both you know kind of about uh, you know sort of success stories. I've written some really really powerful stories about. Uh, about people that I hesitate to use those when people ask for my my best stories because they involve tragedy. But since I said that, uh, I want to tell one of them too. Uh, It's a guy, uh, his name is uh, Master Sergeant Sean Clifton. And uh, it's... That name sounds familiar. um, Yep. He's uh, from the Columbus, Ohio area. And it's uh, Memorial Day weekend of... 2009, I think. I think that's right. And he kicks in the door in Afghanistan, and bullets come flying out. Uh, One goes into his stomach, one goes off his helmet, and one blows his wrist to smithereens. Uh, He turns around and starts running, uh, and falls over. He's bleeding to death. And he tells me that uh, as he's laying there, he sees, like, future home videos in his head of his uh, at the time, two sons graduating high school, getting married, whatever going on with life, and he says, F this, I'm not dying in this effing country."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Gets up, starts running again. Runs into two uh, paramedics who just pack him full of you know gauze. They get him on a helicopter, and this helicopter pilot tells me later that when he was getting on, you know, starting up the helicopter to go get him, he was ordered. Not to go, and he pretended like he didn't hear that order. He heard it loud and clear, and disobeyed it on purpose. Uh, very long story. He ends up getting you know a, a very dramatic uh, series of medical events. It takes years and years to recover, and uh, but he does, and it, it, uh, but he feels like somehow like his, like his life is incomplete. Like there, there's still something missing, and and decides that. Um it's almost like he, it's almost like he's not even sure he's still alive at times. he thinks he's he's dreaming he's still on the battlefield and he's dreaming all of this and decides that if he can have one more good thing happen that will convince him that his life is actually real again mm. uh, And they have uh, another son um born on the day Osama bin Laden was killed and then baptized completely coincidentally on 911 hmm and so the reason I was writing about him was, uh, he had bought a Porsche and, uh, was driving the Porsche, uh, was extremely healing for him. That if you're on, on a racetrack, driving this Porsche on this racetrack, racetrack, basically taking race driving lessons on this racetrack, mid Ohio uh, racetrack in, in uh, near Columbus, that, uh, you can't be thinking about, PTSD, you can't be thinking about almost dying on the battlefield. If you're driving 110 miles an hour going in a turn, you can't be thinking about any of that. So uh, I I drove out to Columbus and uh, basically rode shotgun with him uh, in in that as he drove that Porsche. And this dude is such a hero. I can't even uh, can't even begin to describe it. Yeah, wow, that's a great story. That's probably in terms of profile. That's that's probably my. Again, I'm going to say favorite, um, right? but I use that word with some, hopefully with dignity. With respect. Got it. Because (laughs) he's, you know, we're friends now. I've written about him quite a bit, uh, and we're friends now. And the the story of saving him is, like, there's this whole dramatic way of saving him that's absolutely bonkers that we don't have time to tell the whole thing. But it's absolutely incredible. Like the five other Green Berets, he's a Green Beret, the five other Green Berets who saved him, absolute heroes, too. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely, man. Very good. Thank you very much for yeah. that.
0: Yeah. So, well, we, we, before we run out of time, we got, we got to talk about Maba. So, you know, we got the creator, the, the worldwide queue, full-time evangelist for Maba. So yeah. how'd you
1: come up with the idea? G- give us the lowdown, man. Uh, so the, uh, the, the official history of Maba goes like this. So I, I'm queuing a workout. We've got a hill at our, at our AO. We call it five Oh Hill. Cause there's a police station right behind it. And one day, uh, right about now, four years ago, uh, I thought, what is the worst possible way we could get from the bottom of the hill to the top of the hill? Huh. How can I make everybody here really pissed at me because I'm going to make them go up this hill this way. And so I made up something called uh sweet Bippy burpees, which was you start off on your six and you do a get up, you know, you stand up, uh, get to your feet without using your hands. Then you do a burpee then you frog jump back on your six uh, up burpee frog jump all the way up the hill. It's just every bit as terrible as it sounds. Yes, very terrible. So we get done, we get done with it. And this, uh, CFIT guy that, uh, he's soon to be a, a colonel in the Missouri Air National Guard, one of my closest friends, uh, in my shield lock, sort of offhandedly says, What are you trying to do? Make America burpee again? Uh, and we all uh, looked at each other and said, Oh, that's brilliant. That's terrific. How can we make that terrible? And I think I'm right that me and another guy, Uh, I texted back and forth, and I think I said to him, but he might have said to me, I I can't remember exactly, but I think I said to him, if you do 100 burpees every day in January, I will do them with you, and then I will invite everybody else in this. We sort of had a a long-running text thread. I will invite everybody in that. And if they all do it, then I'll invite the rest of the region. And if we get, I think it was 20 people from the St. Louis region at the time, then I'll invite the entire nation. And... Th- that's that's how it started. So the first year this is year four uh, and it's 100 burpees a day every day starting January 1st. You don't have to do literally 100 a day you can do 150 and then you know take a day off and do 150 it's, it's average. so it's 3100 is the goal. Yeah. So the first year we had 300 some do 300 and something people do 900,000 and then last year we had 800 and something people on five continents do 1.95 million. Wow wow. Yeah, and so pretty pretty quickly, uh, this was, how much time do we have? <laughs> what time did you say you have to stop? Because I can tell the, the full version. So Yeah, you got time. Go ahead. Uh, so is going to start January 1st. And we're framing it as uh, an exercise in resilience. Because it was the end of the first year of COVID. And we had all had our butts kicked. And we had all had to get back up. And so that's what this was going to be. It was going to be an exercise and resilience. Mm-hmm. Well, my mom had been sick with cancer, had been dying for the better part of that year, and we were supposed to go see her over Christmas. She lives in she lived in Michigan, and I, I live in St. Louis. Well, I got COVID, uh, and so did two of my kids, so we couldn't go. And then we had a, a video chat. I think it was Christmas Eve, uh, which happened to be her birthday. And I got one. And we thought we were going to go see him in January. And I took one look at her and said. I'm never going to see her again. Uh, so she died New Year's Eve the day before Maba starts. And, uh, by now I'm, I'm mostly over COVID. I probably shouldn't be outside doing hundred burpees, but screw it. I'm going to do it anyway. So I don't get to go to the launch because I'm still quarantined, but, uh, through Maba, the way that, uh, my F3 brothers uh, rallied around me through that. They start crying. It uh, was really great. It was, you know, the, the way F3 guys do it, like texting you like crap where they're, you know, it's sort of like the uh, comforting you by, uh, by not comforting you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like just reaching out uh, and you know that that's why they're doing it, but they're not saying dear Matt, I'm reaching out to you to send my condolences because your mother passed away because that's just not how we do it. But we you know go that extra step so that you know that you got your boys there. And so it still was an exercise in resilience and we still built that resilience, but then it became very quickly, uh, almost immediately just a really powerful bonding experience yeah. for all of us. And there was so much jackassery involved. I mean, we had a guy, somehow I challenged somebody the details are are unimportant, but I challenged him. If you can do, if you can do a burpee wearing a coonskin cap with a live raccoon in the shot, I'll buy your next coffee. It was like a couple of hours that he was doing a burpee wearing a coonskin cap with a live raccoon in the shot. How did he get a live raccoon? raccoon raccoon." He, he had, he said, I, he had a friend who lived out in the country who had a trap and he happened to have one and he had a coon and he, had, he already had a coonskin cap, which I didn't know in his uh, attic. And so the first day that it snows in this region, we will have probably 30 videos of guys doing shirtless burpees in the snow mm-hmm. and half of them will have their wives or their kids like shaking their heads in the sky. <laughs> So it has become just a, a big thing here yeah. and you know, you certainly hope that other people then would, would sort of grab onto that too.
2: Yeah, I, I do burpees in like random locations whenever I'm on vacation. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: I uh, I, I usually I, most years I ha- most years I have a contest. Uh, send me burpees of like the weirdest place. So I've got I've got them uh, like on the roof of houses. Somebody taking down his Christmas lights got videos video of himself doing burpees up on the roof. I think my favorite one is, you know, that sport curling where you, you throw the yeah. thing along uh-huh. the ice. I, somebody doing burpees while uh, on a, I don't know what that, court cur- that yeah yeah uh. you know, Whatever that curling thing is. I think that's my favorite one because it's just so random. Yeah. Lots of them on planes, pilots huh. doing them, people doing them like on a Southwest flight, like, because you know, Southwest, of course, you can do whatever you want because right. they're crazy. Yeah. So, really? Uh, yeah. So basically okay. every year we have a send me your your weird burpee place contest. Huh.
0: Sweet.
2: I got Mount Washington, uh the Space Needle in Seattle. You did it at the top of Angel's I did the top of Angel's Landing, Landing in Mount yeah. in Zion National Park. Yeah. And I did it on the That's road. Pretty good. I did it on the road where Forrest Gump stops running. Right. Oh, in the movie yeah. out in uh, Awesome? Uh, yep. what's what's the name the of The Death Valley? Not, uh, no, no it's it wasn't not Death, Death Valley. Valley. Monument Monument, Monument Valley. Valley. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we we stopped in and and yeah, I, I did a little. Of course, his kids and wife love it. Right? Yeah, I did, yeah. Little, I did a little skit like I was force Gump running, and yeah. it's like, well, I'm a little kind of yeah. tired. I'll go home one, now. One year,
1: but before I, I'm going to do a burpee, and I dropped it into a burpee. <laughs> well, one one year, I uh, I was trying to see how many I could, how many states I could get in one day, and so I did Michigan, Ohio, Illinois. And I got five: Michigan, Ohio. That's impressive. Uh Indiana, Illinois, and Missouri. I thought it was really impressive. My wife, not so much. <laughs>
0: our, our wives
2: are never nearly as impressed with our feats no, uh, well, as they, we expect know, them to be.
1: What
0: they got to learn know is they got to listen to the, the end of the podcast with Power Clean, because he said, when we asked him our last question, he said, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. And that led yeah. to a, a brief soliloquy by me. And then we talked about things that, why we do this out of love. Yeah. And I think you said something about Maba, and, or he said something about Maba. And I said, yeah, we do burpees because we love, yeah. yeah. So just remember when you're doing those burpees, it's because of love because yeah. Ralph loves you.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm totally stealing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm leading a work I'm queuing a workout uh, on Saturday, and I like to, uh, you know, a lot of times you'll have guys who like they'll they'll pick a word and they'll spell out the word, yeah, uh, and that you'll do the exercises. Well, that's what I do. Only it's it's like not the first letter, so I'm gonna do fetch. We're going to play fetch, and the first one's going to be effing burpees. So, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> Got to get ready. Yeah, get ready for
0: January.
2: January's going to be a lot yep. of burpees. Yeah. and uh, yeah, I, I would, uh, Nation.
0: I'd be all about it, but uh, I can't do burpees since my back surgery. But, uh, you know, it's really weird. Like, they totally suck, but I miss them. Yeah. I wish, I wish I
2: could do burpees. So, so, Hey, tell me, so tell me this. So we're, we're, we're going to do the burpee challenge through the month mm-hmm. of January. I'm throwing that challenge out to a, to our packs in our region. So I signed up today. Will, will I be able to go on and see everybody from my region of, mm-hmm. of where they're at as far as their submissions or do I need to keep my own spreadsheet amongst our own packs?
1: Uh, uh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and the answer to that is Yes. Uh, and we had a couple of years ago, uh, we, we had scoreboards and frankly, I thought guys were getting carried away. We had uh, a bunch of guys do like literally 15,000 burpees in a month. Wow. And we had a, a bunch of injuries, uh, yeah. myself included yeah. that I thought were related to, uh, being overly competitive about it. And so last year I took away the scoreboard. And pretty, pretty clearly, after uh, 3 Nation spoke to me and said I was a, being a big baby. About it <laughs> and that I should, that grown men can make their own stupid decisions right, right. that, you know, if they're going to do a 100 burpees a day, who the hell cares if they do 300 and hurt themselves? Let them do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, the scoreboard is coming back basically by by popular demand. Ah. And I, I can't, I'm pretty sure that means you can see everybody's score. I'm pretty sure that's right. Uh, and if it's not, uh, we'll make it that way. But do me a favor and share share it on your slack cuz i want i want to put up a big number this year.
2: Yeah, absolutely, we'll do. Cool. I even I even put it out on Facebook to a group of guys, non F3 guys because uh Mr. Burpee, was it his birthday recently? Yeah, or Royal something? Burpee.
0: Was it like earlier this week? Yeah, it was in Facebook yeah. I saw his picture. Yeah, he had some, a massive thorax, man, big chest.
2: Yeah, a, a guy I'm kind of remotely friends with, he had posted about like uh you know doing things like burpees and and like the physical fitness type challenges in gym, like phys ed class. Like we don't do those things anymore. Everything's mm-hmm. like lifetime sports and that kind of thing. And I get it. But, uh, but, you know, it started a whole conversation about, about burpees. And I shared, I was like, wow, I said, in F3 nation, you know, we've, we've got guys, you know, across the country and actually internationally that participate in, in MAPA. And I shared, a, I shared a link to it actually. So maybe, maybe, maybe some folks out there that uh, I shared that with will sign up. Oh. uh as non-f3 folks
0: dial-up is your uh F3, trying to, Susquehanna Valley trying to promote yeah, it. Maba evangelist yes
1: that's what that's uh that's what i'm looking for this year is uh more evangelists to help me uh help us spread the word
0: yeah sweet i'll videotape them <laughs> count you guys you guys doing burpees all right we had. g i think g-ray
2: is the only one who's ever done the whole month and did a hundred every day yeah maybe uh, I think two years ago. I, for some reason, I don't think we did it last year. But anyway, we're on board this yeah. year, brother. We, we got your back. We're supporting you. Yeah, baby.
0: All right. Well, uh, let me see. I got one quick question for you before we hit our final two questions. So the sure. quick question is: Tell us what your uh, typical uh, fitness schedule looks like. You know, how
1: often do you post? What kind of workouts are they? That's a good, good question. Um, I've been I've been working on that, trying to. Uh, because my, my my line of work is very uh, unpredictable, I set my own schedule, so I can I can kind of do whatever I want. So I've got the freedom to work out whenever I want. I tried to stay on a uh, Friday's My Shield block, and we do uh, a park bench workout. So we run to a park bench, do a workout, run to the next park bench, etc. There's 12 of them, and then we eat breakfast. So that's uh, in, every, in every week when we can do a thing. Uh, my AO, the AO I, I launched, uh, I live a nine minute run from there. So I'm there uh, every Saturday and I usually try to get one other uh, 530 AM beat down. that's a new addition. I stopped the 530 AM for a while because it was just wrecking me. I was just too tired. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've worked that back into my schedule and I usually do one uh, on my own. So it's usually four days a week. Cool. Yeah. All right, man.
0: Um, very good. Do you have any other questions before we hit them with the final two? No, I think I got got the questions I had out. Okay, and about so. Yeah. All right. So, uh, last two questions. First one is: mm-hmm. If you were to pick somebody, could be somebody from the distant past, current, whatever, somebody you knew personally or not? Uh, who would you pick if you were to pick somebody who inspires you, sort of like a hero to you, that kind of thing?
1: Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I wish I could think as clearly and write as clearly and this is going to sound like a cliche as uh CS Lewis for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean he's uh in terms of of my adult life uh grown up life writers he would be uh number 1 um you know mostly because uh, his clarity of thought and his grasp of sort of the tenets of uh, not just Christian doctrine, but Christian philosophy and Christian thought and Christian faith have been really uh, formative for me. So off the top of my head, that's what I would say.
0: That's great. I love C.S. Lewis. i read, most of what he's written, although there's a lot of essays. I have a whole yeah, you, massive it, it's book it's of his essays. Yeah, it's impossible to read most
1: of what he's written. Yeah, yeah.
0: well, some of the, this collection of essays are really, some of them are speeches he gave or lectures he gave and they've mm. written down. Anyway, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. So, so your faith is important to you. You're a Christian, I imagine, then. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, did you come to faith
1: late in life or early in life? Late. Uh, late 20s, I would say. Yeah, me too. Uh, sort of had a... Uh, a family member who nearly died and started to think, uh, I'm going to say this in Christian terms, even though I probably wasn't thinking in this explicitly Christian way. Mm -hmm. If uh, that person closed their eyes in this life and opened them in the next, what would they see? And, you know, come to find out that's a sort of a foundational way to evangelize people. And so after I was thinking that about uh, the loved one, I started thinking about uh, that same thing about myself. Like, if that had been me and I had died and op- closed my eyes in this life and opened them in the next, what would I see? And I didn't know the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. And so I started uh, pursuing it. So I would say uh, that's how. And then, you know, since then, Franklin's been fighting with God about whether he's done enough to prove that he exists. Right. So I wouldn't say I'm the world's greatest or strongest or most faithful Christian, but I, you know, cling to it by my fingernails most days at least.
0: Hey, yeah, we cling by our fingernails, mm-hmm. but he's got us firmly in his hands. So.
1: Yeah. Very good man. Yeah. It's interesting. You find, you let go, you think, oh crap, I'm still here. Right. So right. I, maybe it wasn't me holding on to the first place. Yeah, that's know? right. It so, took right. me a long time to learn
0: that. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the big messages of the Christian, uh, Christian life and, and Christianity is that, you know, there's nothing we can do. Yep. Uh, it's not you. It's all about yep. him. Yep. If he's yep. got you, he's got you. Yep. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Not height, nor depth, nor angel, nor demon, and I can't remember all the rest, but it's in Romans. Romans, I believe.
1: Anyway. It is Romans, yep. Very cool.
0: Very cool, my brother. Um, Well, uh, last question is, this is your chance to speak to the men of America. What is your message for the men of America? Besides making them burpee again.
1: (laughs) Uh, That's a great question. Um, I would say the thing that I've learned is, in F3 that I would want to share with people is we talked about it a little bit at the beginning is just the value of uh, I say shared suffering, but actually I'm going to back that up just a little bit of, of relationships that, you know, I talk a lot about Maba. I talk a lot about adventure. I talk a lot about shared suffering and getting out and pushing yourself physically, but if that's not your thing and you love books or you love cooking or you love movies, don't keep that love to yourself. Mm. Find people out there who love it too and share it with them and grow with them and form relationships with them so that when whatever happens in your life, like I was describing at the beginning, uh, and you need to talk to somebody about that, they are there. Yeah. Um it's the 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 epidemic of loneliness, and it's not just in this country, but this is where we are in this country is killing us. It's worse for us than smoking. It's worse for us than drinking. It is literally killing us.
0: Yeah,
1: we're afraid to go make friends, and I, I just that it really breaks my heart. And and the way to the way to beat that is to is to beat it to find something that you love. And find somebody else who loves it, so that you can have that C.S. Lewis conversation that I mentioned earlier, where you say, "You too." I thought I was the only one. Right. Uh, and that, that's the message I would want to share.
0: That's a great message, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. Said,
0: don't do life alone. Don't do life alone. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Y- you're not alone. Uh, there are people out there that will that will walk alongside mm-hmm. you. You just just got to get out there and find them, man. Yep. Yeah. Great message, brother. Hey, before we let you go,
1: what what are you working on now? You're a freelance writer. What, what's next? Uh, next is, uh, I, I, I mentioned a, a while ago, I, I think that I'm going to California. Uh, I'm, this is going to sound strange. I'm going to California to go to a soccer game so that I can write a NASCAR story. Of course. And before that, I'm <laughs> going to go, I'm going hang gliding for a story. Yeah. And so I'm pretty excited uh, about that. That's, that's the next sort of cool thing uh, that I'm going to do. So I'm pretty excited about that.
2: How does soccer and NASCAR (laughs) tie together? I'm really curious.
1: Uh, So NASCAR, and that's in LA. So I'm going to a soccer game at the LA Coliseum of Mexico against Colombia, which is like a, I mean, what a fun thing to go to just for no reason that is. But uh, you know, NASCAR has a. There's a series in Mexico. And so it's a, a little bit about that, a little bit about, you know, it's the LA Coliseum. They have a race. They have every, a clash, right? Yeah. the clash. So it's sort of a combination of how those things all fit together. with okay. like Mexican racing culture in LA. Uh, and then, you know, I'll, I'll have time to kill in LA. So I'm going to kill it by going hang gliding. And I'm probably going to post out there if I can, although I can't, I can't promise I'll yeah. do that. Have you,
2: have you been to the LA Coliseum before? Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah, You're, you're in for a surprise. I was, I was there this past summer and, I wasn't prepared for how being in that stadium just kind of hit me. And I guess just Hmm. as a, as a kid and adult, like you just so many memories of watching great sporting events over the years happening in, in the LA Coliseum. Like when I got there and like, just to see it, I don't know. It just, it just really hit me. Like it's not many, not many things kind of grab, grab me like
0: that and kind of, hit me a little
2: harder than uh, or kind of make me awestruck more than I expected. But the Coliseum was one of those things, just uh, reading the plaques of, you know, from the Olympics and, you know, a lot of the great events that have happened there. It's, it's, it's a cool historic place. And uh, yeah, I think, I, I hope you experienced, you have the same type of experience when you, when you get there. That's it.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I love
0: going to historic places like that. Yeah very cool all right ladies and gentlemen that was ralph man he loves you so go burpee when you're doing those burpees in january just remember it's out of love he's a freelance author man he uh, he wrote a bunch of essays for f3 and most recently for gete 42 go check it out at the f3 nation newsletter and uh, ralph thank you so much for uh, joining us and sharing all that with us today i thought it was great man and um you know dial up i think we just spoke to another high impact we spoke to a very high impact, man. So yeah, you're, you're you're making a difference, brother. Thanks for coming on, brother. Well, th- well, thanks for having me. Yeah, and hey, go give Power Clean a big hug for us. Can't wait. Yeah, and I'm still intrigued. I never, I, I didn't talk about, it, but I'm intrigued by this. You guys making your own corned beef hash because that I like that stuff. It's like a, a. It's grown into
2: a legend here. Thank you for listening uh-huh. to this week's episode. I would like to thank our guests for Sorry, joining us Tyler and sharing by story mistake. of becoming a high-impact man. <laughs> More information and resources can be found at highimpactman.com. We can all sing along. If you bum. like this podcast, really? please yeah. consider bum, following bum, us on bum, our social media bum, pages bum, 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 bum. or email us at him <laughs> at highimpactman.com. That is H-I-M at highimpactman.com. The High Impact Man podcast has a new episode every week, and you can find them on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Have a great week, everyone.
0: Well, yeah. that was well, different. There I'm you go. sorry. I didn't, mean,
2: <laughs> I didn't actually think I touched a button.
0: Little slip of the switch, was, switch there. I was ready to go, but I didn't think I touched it. This I'm is the first sorry. ever postscript for the
2: yeah. Typic Man Sorry, their brother didn't mean Podcast, to cut you off mid-sentence.
0: Hey, that's okay. And you know what? If I'm ever out in your area, I'm, I'm coming for that corned beef hash.
1: That would make my day if I got to make it for a great non local. Yeah, that'd be so cool. All
0: right. Well, God bless you, brother. Thank you so much. Yep. Thanks, sir. Thanks for having me. Take care, Uh, brother. Thanks for joining us. Good night. Now you can
2: play it.